another episode of Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. Wherever you are joining us from, whatever you're doing, welcome to another power-up session together. A special good evening if you are a regular listener of the program. I know that there is so much competition for your attention, but you are here each and every week as we get powered up together for the week. And let me also thank you for sharing the link to the program as we continue to grow in numbers and in, lis and in listeners. So a very special good evening to our regulars, folks like Mr. Jeffrey Alexander and your lovely wife, Allison, out there in Ontario, Canada. I'm Liz in Massachusetts, Jacania in Queens, New York, and Irma Marie all the way out in London, England. I know that it is quite late in your neck of the woods, but I know that you are locked in and ready to go. So welcome, welcome, and thank you for being here. Of course... If this is your first time joining us, welcome on board. You have made the right decision to join us today. You are now a part of a community of over 4,000 people who connect via Facebook, through other social media, through the listening of this program, and of course, via our website, Push Past 10. So we meet here each and every Tuesday for some inspiration from, from our guests, some great music, and some quick tips on self-development. So again, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining me. Uh, despite our restrictions and limitations, I do hope that you had a great Labor Day weekend. The weather here, down the weather down here in McDonough, Georgia, was absolutely perfect, sunny and cool. And so I hope you had a great weekend as well. I also heard that the weather in the New York area was completely fantastic, and I certainly know that a lot of the folks up there in the New York area missed the Labor Day Carnival celebrations, which would have normally been held, held on this past weekend. So I hope that you made the best out of it. And let me just go ahead and commend the West Indies American Day Carnival Association for doing a splendid job of trying to provide a lot of the events virtually this year. So for example, on Friday night, they had Back to Love Brass Fest, and they also had a virtual carnival event all day Monday. So I certainly enjoyed all the wonderful programming they provided during the weekend. And if you're interested in seeing um, what I'm referring to, if you're on Facebook, you can look them up at W-I-A-D-C-A. -A. So again, W-I-A-D-C-A -A is the name of the organization, and I'm sure you will enjoy all the wonderful programming that they offered. So again, I hope that you made the most out of the weekend. And if you listened last week and the previous week, you know we have a great program lined up for you. Our guest will be joining us soon. And of course, he is Shelly from Signal Band, and he's also a graduate student at Harvard University. So we certainly cannot wait to hear from him. But we must, must acknowledge that at this time, a lot of parents with school-aged children are facing a very important decision, and that is whether or not to send your children back to a physical classroom. So for us, for example, Sophia has already been in school for the last five weeks or so because here in Georgia, the kids actually returned to school about the 5th of 
August. So Sophia has already been back to school and we did end up sending her back to a physical classroom. But keep in mind, there are only 10 kids in her class. They're all wearing face masks and they're not allowed to interact with other students. So, you know, every situation is different. So be sure to explore all the options available to you and your family's circumstances before you decide on what you will do. But you know, it's time to press the pause button. It's time to take a mental break from all the decisions and all the challenges that we will face this week as we get powered up together. So again, welcome and thank you for being a part of, of our virtual support community. We will get through this time together and we will emerge stronger once all of this is over. Now, speaking of which, once we've had a chance to speak to Shelly, I'm going to tell you all about some new resources we are adding to our website, Push Past 10. Because let us face it, it is so important that one of the goals that we should be keeping in mind right now is simply how do we get through this difficult time together. So again, once we've had a chance to speak to Shelly, I am going to tell you all about our new resources that we are adding to the website to support our efforts to get through this time together. So I'm certainly looking forward to the show. We are all set and we're ready to go. And we are going to kick it off with this track from Signal Band, Shelly's Band, a track entitled Support Local, because in fact, that is what we are here for, to support each other, to uplift each other with this program. And so enjoy this one. And of course, you know, once the music comes on, it is time to send that quick text message, to post a message in your WhatsApp groups, and to post a message to social media to invite everyone to come on over as we get started with the program. So enjoy this one from Shelly, our signal band, a track entitled Support Local as we get started. Stay tuned. Do we said Somebody say no Dominica's music, you will recognize him 
as the leader and the lead singer of Signal Band. Uh, in his early years, he was a Calypsonian under the name of The Professor, and he won three consecutive crowns as Calypso King. What you may not, however, know about our guest, um, Sheldon Shelley Alfred, is, of course, he's a graduate of the Dominica State College, but he's also a graduate of Morgan State University for his bachelor's degree, where he was the valedictorian. In addition to this, he is currently pursuing a master's degree in architecture at Harvard University Graduate School of Design. Welcome, Shelley. How are you? Yeah, thank you for having me, Simone. Um, it's a great pleasure to be here on your, on your program. And um, I'm doing well. I'm in Dominica, enjoying the weather. And um, for now, I'm in good spirits and I'm just, I'm doing well, enjoying the last bits of the summer. Good, good, good. So, you know, I read your bio and I had to pause for a minute because I had no idea that the leader of Signal Band was so academically inclined. So congratulations on your success today. Thank you very much. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, yes. So, so there's a lot we have to cover because you're such a fascinating person. So I think what we will do first is look at your academic um, career first. So, so tell us what was education like for you in Dominica? Is school something that you enjoy naturally or is it something that you work very hard on? Um, well, growing up, it, it was something that I enjoyed naturally, and my mom always mentions to me how much I used to read before, even compared, I, she always compares to how much I read now in contrast to how much I used to read before. And she used to say that basically in all my leisure time, I would spend that time reading. And um, from primary education to secondary education, I was always a, a top student in my class. and. Um, there was a point where that started to decline when I started to do music, but it was not like I was doing badly in school. It was just because I was starting to juggle those things. But I had a good, really, a really good educational experience. Um, I had great teachers that also, I think I owe a lot to where I am right now too, because they, I think they molded me into what I am today. They played their part as well as, you know, it was my hard work, but they played a part. So um education was always at the forefront for my mother i could say for sure um she worked in the ministry of education i think that was a big part of it right. <laughs> so she worked in the ministry of education like for years a lot of years and just like cxc and Caribbean examinations plus other tests and whatever were very important to her mm -hmm. and it just naturally became a part of me because i knew it was a part of her and she just instilled those patterns in me Oh, excellent. And I'm very proud to say that my family has been instrumental in your education as well, because I actually met you through my brother, Wayne Senhouse, who was your teacher. So, yeah. so I'm happy to say that we, we played a role in your education. So Definitely. tell us about um, music uh, back for you, because you were in Calypso, you won three times as Calypso Junior King, and then you decided to switch over to Booyah Music and created Signal Band. So why the transition? Um, the transition kind of happened naturally because I, I, was, I started off as a guitarist in Signal Band, actually. And as a founding member on the guitar, but having my background in Calypso, uh, I was forced by the band to, to start singing. And I remember even when the band started, we said that we didn't want to be a Buyo band, which we lied because we had no hope. But <laughs> um, I, I, I think that was one of the reasons why I made that step to go sing, because I was like, the band is not a Buyo band. So I, I never really thought I could sing Buyo music. Um, because Buya music, the evolution of Buya music, especially around that time, was heading towards chanting. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wasn't a chanter. I had a nice voice. I was a singer. And I was kind of reluctant to do Buya music. But then I realized that I had something to offer to Buya music rather than Buya just um, in, influencing me. I realized that I had a point that I could influence it as well. Mm -hmm. So 
I was like, okay, I'm going to go on this journey and I'm going to try to bring my singing talent, my, my, my knowledge of the theory of music into Booyah music. Yes, and I certainly want to come back and uh, touch on that subject. But before we do, tell me some of the challenges that you guys faced early on in trying to start the band and trying to get some traction with uh, your music and the band. Yeah, I think our age was, was surely one. Um, mm -hmm. we, we started the band, I, was, I think I was 14 years old, and our youngest member at the time was 15, 13 years old. So we were very young. Um, and I think it was very hard to convince people whether, I mean, sometimes I look back at what we, what we used to play, what we used to song like, maybe it wasn't so convincing as well, but you know, we had difficulties convincing people that, yo, we have talent and you know, they give us an ear. And then beyond that, I think it was also a lack of mentorship as well. Um, which I always cry for in, in Dominica, because we have a lot of talented musicians in Dominica. Mm -hmm. And I just wish like there would be more mentorship because we have some living legends and we don't want the successes to just be something that we speak about, but they need to start like influencing people like on the ground. So mm -hmm. that's something we battled for. And basically I think our uprising got slowed down by that because a lot of the things that we learned was self-taught. Mm -hmm. So that pretty much like the mentorship and our age was like our biggest challenges. Right, right. Certainly, I can see why that would be the case. Now, let's look at the music because you made a very important point that I want to explore a little bit more because it seems like Booyah music had a really good start in terms of when the original WCK started it. But as of late, it's become a lot of what you call chanting, which I think when you guys came along, you actually provided real lyrics, real melody, and it kind of changed the face of Booyah music. So what was the reception? Were people kind of receptive to that or? I think they were very receptive, um, surprisingly as well, because I remember the first song that we started exploring, even a change in tempo, was Annie by Your Love. And mm -hmm. I was really nervous about the release of Annie by Your Love. I was just like, guys, I don't know how people going to take that song <laughs> you know it's slow and it's very lyrical it's, it has a lot of um lyrics and it's not your usual booyah song mm -hmm. and we know it's a booyah song but it's just not our usual so i was very nervous about that and i was surprised to see how receptive that people were to it mm -hmm. because i mean i guess that's partly because of the lyrics resonated with them but also because it was something was a breath of fresh air you know you know it was a new a new venture that well, it was maybe explored by the Booyah pioneers back in the days, but for a while we haven't had that style, a slowed down, sort of more sentimental Booyah. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, speaking as, um, uh, as one of the older Dominicans, because <laughs> I'm sure you guys are pretty young, you know, we do appreciate the fact that you guys, we can understand the words of your song. You know, I know the main, the main purpose of a lot of the Booyah music is to get people to dance and enjoy the music. But I think it adds a really important element where, yeah. when you actually create a song that people can enjoy the lyrics to. So tell me about the success of that song, Annie Buy Your Love, because I swear I heard, I've heard that song in just about every commercial in Dominica. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a very much sought after song. Um, um, I, th I think the interesting success about that song is that it came at a very good time. Mm -hmm. You know, Dominica just undergone um, Hurricane Maria in 2017. And I remember the situation was that the band had no equipment and place to record. Mm -hmm. And I was in Baltimore. I was attending Morgan State University at that time. Mm -hmm. And Actually, I was graduated, so I was actually working at, working at an architecture firm in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And that happened, the hurricane happened, and then I felt like, you know, naturally, as musicians, we have a sort of responsibility to aid in the psychological needs of our listeners. Mm -hmm. So I, I figured that, obviously, music, we, we need to do something for them. So thankfully, the lives of all the band members were spared, and I was like, guys, we need to make a song. Right. And they were like, we have no equipment, everything's messed up. So I had to step up to the plate and um, I began producing and then they pretty much did their part using a generator and working at always before the curfew because there, were, there, there was a curfew. And it was a very interesting like, battle to produce the song 
and then the lyrics itself like just came together because Dominicans were looking for that sense of hope mm-hmm. and it, it, it brought a certain togetherness with them, like they were sharing and all of that. So the Anibai Love theme just fit perfectly for that moment. Right. And it was exciting to just see all of that manifest and everybody just embrace the song. Mm-hmm. That was great. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So um, speaking of which, what is, uh, would you say, has been the biggest opportunity that the band has received to date? What is the biggest stage you've performed on so far? Um, well, last year we were given the opportunity to represent Dominica at Carifesta mm-hmm. in Trinidad and Tobago. And that was, to me, the biggest opportunity because I will be honest that a lot of the people that I look up to in music are from Trinidad and Tobago. Right. And it, it was great to be in their culture and experience that firsthand. And then the, I guess the more interesting part was that it was an exchange of cultures. Like we, we got their culture, but we also got to offer our culture to them mm-hmm. and also other cultures in the Caribbean. So Cari Festa, like we performed on a bunch of big stages. Like it, it was a festival, so we did like seven performances and they're just all magnificent and unique in their own way. Right, right, yeah. right. Now, now, speaking of the music again, so who is the songwriter? Are you the one writing the songs for the band? Yeah, majority um, of the songs are written by myself, and okay. I always thought, I always um, seek the friend, um, the help of my band members or even close friends, because sometimes I get a little creative block, you know. Right. And it's, I think it's because like I'm kind of sometimes doing so many things at the same time, so mm-hmm. I always get their help. But the majority of the time, I, I write. That you write the song. So if you're just joining us, we're speaking to Sheldon Shelley Alfred out of Dominica. He's the lead singer of Signal Band, but we are wonderfully surprised to find out that he's also currently a graduate student at Harvard University. So we're exploring all aspects of academia and music with him right now. So, so Shelly, tell us what has been the impact of COVID-19 on the band? Yeah, um, COVID-19 has been a, a, a sort of bittersweet moment for us, I would say in the sense that our biggest stream of income, like performances, which I would say like is like 80% of our income as musicians is now no more basically right. for well for, for the time you know mm-hmm. and we we can't really do like performances right now and even if like some we can maybe do a certain capacity but that might not be enough to to um allow us to make profits and all of that or even if a promoter and i mean not allow a promoter to make enough so in terms of live performances it has really put a halt on our progress and we had some tours in place this year that couldn't have happened um other than that, to be honest, other than live performances, I am, I'm trying to see the opportunity in, in COVID-19 for us as musicians, because I will say that I've been able to sit back and be inspired a lot. Good. And, you know, being, performing always hinders your ability to be able to sit and get creative and write, you know, which is why a lot of the musicians that perform a lot have writers. But because sometimes we write a lot of old music, that getting that time right now to actually sit and write is actually great. And um, so I'm not trying to make COVID-19 be so much of a good thing, but we are trying to see the opportunity in this time that we have right now, because there's a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's interesting that you say that because a lot of people who come on here who have been significantly impacted by COVID-19, they pretty much say the same thing. It's a great time to reset. It's yeah. a great time to look at your body of work and see, you know, what can I change? How can I be more inspired? What direction do I want to take this? So this is a great time to pause, look at what you have, and then decide where you want to go from there. Indeed. Yeah, certainly. So now we had um, Gordon Henderson on the program recently, and one of the very important things that he stressed that a lot of Dominican musicians unfortunately do not do is copywriting their work. Is that something you guys have looked into? Yeah, we are. All our, all our works are actually copyrighted. Excellent. And um, generates royalties. And it, I mean, obviously, it's like a retirement plan because it's not something that you, you go monthly and withdraw out mm-hmm. of it. 
but it has been good to see it grow and especially being young people yes. and being in the age of technology we i mean understanding our mechanical rights and how our music gets sold on itunes and all of that is has been important for us and right now like every single song of ours is up for sale and it's registered and everything is set for signal band yeah good 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 i'm so happy to hear that because i was truly concerned when he said that we would be surprised at some of the groups and musicians who have yeah. not spent the time ensuring that they, they're getting royalties their yeah. information is their music is protected so i'm really happy um to and, hear that and it's interesting that Gordon himself is the one who has taught me the most that I know about copyrights. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Yeah. So, so I'm, so I'm really, I'm really happy to hear that. So now let's talk about your journey to Harvard. How impressive is that? I have to tell you, I'm beyond impressed with you. So first of all, you were the valedictorian for your bachelor's degree. So congratulations on that. Now Thank tell you. us, was it always your goal to get into Harvard? Or did you just decide to apply once you had finished your bachelor's? Certainly not my, it wasn't my goal. I will say, um, I was even skeptical about even going to graduate school. Um, after I completed my degree, I was trying to figure out a lot about what I wanted to get out of life because for some reason, I mean, I was young, but I felt like I was in some rush. So I started to figure out like, oh, should I go waste another whatever years? Should I just go into my career? And Speaking to a few people, really successful people, some people that have, that have been in the situation that I, I was in at the time, they were like, no rush, you're a very young man, take it slow, make the right decision. They never told me what to do and I, I pondered on it a bit and I figured, okay, I'm going to get this graduate degree because I'm in the groove of school right now, so I should just take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And so I know once I'm done with that, I will never have to go to school again. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, and so Harvard was still far from the equation at that time, I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. um, first time it came into the equation, it was because one of my classmates who was actually the first student of the School of Architecture at Morgan to go to Harvard. Mm -hmm. um, so he was my good friend that I met on my first day of school. Um, he's from Kenya and we became such good friends that we went to Harvard together. He was a year ahead of me, but we also roommates at Harvard. So that relationship continued, but he was the one who introduced me to Harvard. And when he visited Harvard, he knew I was thinking about graduate school, but I wasn't thinking about Harvard. So he visited um, the school while I was working and he called me and he was like, Sheldon, you need to apply. Yeah. And I was like, why? He's like, I could really see you being a good fit there. And um, you know, the, the level, or the level that you think at, I think this is the right place for you. And at that point I was still skeptical. So I didn't apply and I went to work. I was like, I need some time to think this through. Mm -hmm. So that's how much of a big decision it was to me. And I still, when I applied, I still applied to five schools because I wasn't so set. And I also had, I'll be honest, I had a little lack of confidence that I would get into Harvard. Mm -hmm. Anybody would. Absolutely, everybody would. <laughs> Anybody would. So I had a lack of confidence and I applied to Harvard, Cornell, Yale, um, Virginia Tech, and Pratt, was it? <laughs> I remember. Um, Harvard, Cornell, Yale, Virginia Tech. I think it was Pratt. And I got into all of them. Wow. And the moment I got the Harvard acceptance, to be honest, my, my top pick in that was Virginia Tech. Like in a pool of Ivy Leagues and Virginia Tech, I was like, I want to go to Virginia Tech. And I could say why quickly, because they had a program on architectural acoustics, which I think was a perfect merge for me and my music and architecture. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was like, this is the place for me. But then the, the game changed when I got the Harvard acceptance. I was like, wow. Oh I was like, okay, God. yeah, I was like, this is different and I need to consider this. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. That, so, that was so, pretty so, much what uh -huh. it was, yeah. So, uh -huh. so all of us who are parents right now, we're sitting here thinking, how do I get my child into Harvard? What does it take, Shelley? What does it take to get into Harvard? What do you think got you in? Um, I, would, I will say number one, good grades. Harvard is a very academically inclined or they take the academics very seriously 
So I will say good grades is one. So prior to going to Harvard, having those good grades. But I think character and personality, no matter what major you want to do, is important. Because I realize that Harvard um, takes great interest in building a classroom around personalities mm -hmm. as much as they look at, at grades. Right. Um, so, like, for example, a critical part of my application was my personal statement. Mm -hmm. And they told me, they told me, like, my personal statement had them just thinking, like, I can't wait to meet this individual. So what was in there? Tell us the secret. What was in there? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it really what it was pretty much my background and how I got into music versus architecture and saying that my life is basically just surrounded by architecture and music. Mm -hmm. And I um, pretty much just move every day thinking about those two. And I think that Harvard University would be a great platform for me to sort of merge those two things mm -hmm. that I really didn't know what I was about to do with. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is where I want to come to explore these two things. I don't know what I want to do or how I want to do it, but I want you to allow me and give me the place. And that was what brought me into, I think that was a great part of my acceptance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, so I'm taking notes, Shelly. I'm taking notes because I got a nine-year-old at home. <laughs> so, so did it, did it, <laughs> so did it, it um, require you to have like community service, uh, um, other things that you've done in terms of outside of your own interests? Yeah. Can you repeat that? I was a bit distracted. Yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem. So, so did the application require you to have community service, other things you've done um, out of your own self-interest? Um, not really. Not, okay. not at all, actually. Yeah, there was no requirement in that, in that end. It was really so much about what are you interested in? I think that was the okay. big question. What are you interested in? And the who are you question was like the most pertinent one. Yeah, and, and it also helps that you're a valedictorian for your bachelor's degree. So, you know, I got work to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so, that also helped us. Yeah. So now tell me what your family's reaction was when they found out that you got into Harvard University. Um, they were all super excited and was like, wait, what? Harvard? Right. And some of them were like, wait, like especially those in the Caribbean, were not really familiar with, you know, the hierarchy of Ivy Leagues Ivy and League. you know, other universities. So, they were just like, is that the same habit that we see in the movies? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's a I was like, yeah. And then a lot of them also made the reference to Barack Obama. And, you know, mm -hmm. it, those sort of references began to come up and they were like, Are you, is that for real? Mm -hmm. You know, and um, I will say that immediately after the question came up about the cost, <laughs> you know, to them, they were like, so, but who's going to afford this? Like, How much is it? How much is it to go there and whatever? And, I was telling them I'm not even thinking about that yet. The point is that I got in and I already began to understand the American educational system and that there's opportunity for a lot um, once you really apply yourself. So I didn't really, I didn't really want to focus on the finances just yet. I really wanted to just accept the fact that I had a great opportunity. Right. Yeah, and you were eventually able to land a scholarship to help to kind of assist you? And it, and it was, yeah, it was after negotiation in terms okay. of, they offered me a scholarship initially, it wasn't a full one, <laughs> and they, they offered something similar to Yale, and I was, I didn't really want to go to Yale as much I want, as I wanted to go to Harvard GSD, <laughs> so I began to, like, negotiate, I was like, well, Yale is offering me this, so, you know, what are you offering me? Right. And, you know, this, these are sort of old tricks that I learned from even some, some advisors, they were like, the reason they accept you is not because they feel like you just want to come here. They want you to come here just as much as you want to come here, right. you know? So I try to use that to sort of negotiate to get more, um, more out of my scholarship and then eventually landed at a full tuition scholarship. Good, good. So if you're just joining us, we're speaking to Sheldon Shelley Alfred out of Dominica. Well, he's currently in Dominica. He's already told us about his uh, musical journey from Calypsonian to beginning signal band and the challenges he faced with um, doing so. And now he's telling us his journey to get into Harvard University. So thank you for joining us if you're joining in right now. Now, Shelley, tell us what was it like 
the first day you stepped onto that campus and realized that you were truly at Harvard University? <laughs> I, was, I was really nervous, I would say. Yes. Um, it wasn't even a first day experience. It maybe was like first few weeks. <laughs> For the first few weeks, I just, of course I could believe it. I can say I, I couldn't believe it, but I was just beginning to question a lot of things. Like even in terms of times that I felt like I had a lack of self-esteem or a lack of, lack of confidence in myself. And I was like, yo, I'm really here, you know? And something that I never imagined, imagined even like three years before it happened. It wasn't like something that I was just always thinking about. So that's all, that taught me that life just makes its sort of patterns for you based on the things that you do prior, you know? So you're sort of curating that experience as you go along. And it was just exciting to just meet so many like-minded people. Even the lack of confidence started to fade away because I, start, I, I immediately began to realize that there's not much like difference in the people that are here. We all got in here for a reason because we're all great, all super intelligent. And our professors actually always remind us that we are all the same. <laughs> you know, they're like, you all, all got in here, which means that none of you are really smarter than the other. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that feeling lasted for a few weeks, I wouldn't lie, but then it immediately began to fade away. It, um, so I'm not nervous walking on Harvard's campus anymore. Good, good, <laughs> good, good. So, so now that presents a unique challenge for you, and this is what I really am trying to understand. How do you negotiate being at Harvard University and being the lead singer of a band? Because I'm thinking, when, you know, when my brother Wayne told me about you, I said, that's impossible. He's at school in Massachusetts, but he's the lead singer of a band that needs to be underground to play gigs. So, so you tell us how that is physically possible. Yeah, a lot of people think it's impossible and it's a question I get almost every day. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest tool for me was understanding that I only, there's only one of me, so I can only survive this by making this life and this passion of mine one. So everything that I have been doing was I, like I, I started reading books as soon as it was. It was actually when I got to Harvard I realized that I couldn't continue living two separate lives, like being a musician and being an architect, being a musician, being an architect. So I started really to think of how can I merge these two things, and I obviously landed on the field of architectural acoustics, which is like a great interest of mine, um, really like understanding how sound behaves in space. Mm -hmm. But then that's like on the academic side and on the professional side. But even just in how I view both of them, I literally just look at them at the same, as the same thing as, or at the same level. I don't see any hierarchy or priority in music or architecture. Mm -hmm. And that has helped me a lot in the sense that it has forced me to manage my time well enough so that I get to put in a great amount of work into both of them. Mm -hmm. I want to be the best architect out there. I want to be the best musician out there. So um, whether I land in architectural acoustics or not, I just want to ensure that I put full effort as much as I can into both music and architecture. And it also comes as architecture is an art. And um, there's a great appreciation for architecture or for music by architects or by designers, you know, because they feel like it's in the family of arts. And to be honest, every time I'm honest with my, I'm always honest with my professors, but every time I meet them or interact with them for the first time, I let them know I'm a musician by profession and not just, I, am, I do music now and then. I let them know I do music and I take it very seriously and I do architecture and I take it very seriously as well. And they themselves are always fascinated by how I balance the two and they cannot believe it. Like sometimes I'll just tell them I'm missing school next week because I have to travel to Dominica. Oh, seriously? Well, that's how you do it? Yeah, yeah. I, so, how, I, so how do you get caught up on the work? If, what if you have a test? Yeah, well, and, the, and that's the thing about graduate school. I think it's a good moment. Um, I obviously always found the most side that this happened in a very timely manner where signal bands rise to stardom began 
when I was kind of in graduate school, mm-hmm. where and graduate school is, is flexible enough that, you know, you kind of curate your own path and your own, um, I could say, balance of work versus life, work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is about you. So even in terms, and we are, they always tell us that we're all adults. So once we communicate, once I tell them that I have to travel to Dominica to perform, mm-hmm. I've done, uh, there have been situations where I've done a, an exam prior to leaving. There's been situations where I've done an exam when I come back. There have been situations where professors have told me that it's not a big deal. I, if you miss that, if you miss that presentation, it's okay, you know. And you know, the last one told me that it's not about the presentation; it's about the work that you've produced prior. So if you miss the presentation, like you still have great work, it's fine. And they they're very fascinated because they told me that they don't see architecture students, especially because the profession and the um, major is very time consuming. Mm-hmm. So they, they told me that they don't see architecture students often doing something other than architecture. So it really fascinates them and they will never not allow me to, to do something. Yeah, so I have to tell you, I have to tell you, Shelly, I'm listening to you and you're a very special person because I'm a graduate of Columbia University. I did my master's at Columbia University and as a, another Ivy League school, I have no idea how you're doing this <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, it's great what you're saying and everything, but yeah. I personally know when I was at Columbia, I ate, slept, and breathed Columbia. So there was time for nothing else. So I have to tell you, you are yeah. certainly a very unique person to figure out how to balance traveling back and forth to Dominica and staying on top of your schoolwork. And I also have to give a lot of credit to your um, professors for yes. being so accommodating because I certainly do not see where I would have gone up to one of my professors at Columbia and say, oh, you know, I'm going to be in Dominica next week, so I won't be here for yeah. the exam. So kudos to your professors for being so accommodating. Yeah, it's, it's a, very, a very unique. The first yes. time I had to explain to them, I was so nervous. I was like, I don't know how they're going to understand this. But then I realized that it, also, it was also determined by how I approached them to ask about it anyway like um so i realized that i had a part to play and i ensure that i really explain to them what's going on and how much music means to me and how much that um even i draw so much influence from music into architecture and vice versa so when i when i speak like that and I, it shows in my work then it's really nothing for them to say like oh, yeah, yeah yeah and and i think they're kind of approaching it from the idea that you might be onto something very unique unique in yeah. terms of combining architecture and music yes so you know keep in touch with these professors because you never know where this can go for you in exactly. terms of your ability to combine the two yeah. yeah certainly certainly so now you describe yourself as an architectural composer a musical designer so what, what does that mean, Shelley? Um, that's because, well, I was trying to define myself in not, in, like if someone asked to ask me, who am I? I don't want to say that I'm a 24-year-old from Goodwill, Dominica, and all that. Like, I feel like I should have a straightforward answer as to who am I. Um, I think, and that was the most concise way I could describe myself. Mm-hmm. And basically, no, just sort of scrambling and merging the ideas of my two passions, music. So in, in its normal sense, I would have been an architectural designer and a musical composer. Mm-hmm. But because I always try to cross-pollinate between the two, I figure that right now it's said that when I do music, sometimes I always think architecture. Architecture, sometimes I do architecture and I'm thinking about the composition of windows. Yeah, I'm thinking about the wow. composition. and. When I do music, I'm like, what is the structure like? And what is the base of that song? And what is, um, what is the rhythm? You know, and I, I take that rhythm back to architecture. So it just feels so fluid now that I am sure that I'm an architectural composer. I'm not an architectural designer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fascinating, fascinating. So, so given your experiences and your education to far, what, so far, what does your ideal future look like in terms of being able to combine the two? What would your ideal future look like? Yeah, that's, that's the next question. Um, 
I always get excited when I hear that question because it's the thing that I wake up every day and think about. Yeah. And so far, what I am working towards, like, I'm not waiting for my future to just define itself, but what I'm working towards is to be a professional artist slash musician and draw in on the influences of architecture and my education. And I actually know that the reality is as a musician, there are so many uncertainties, like even the most famous ones. We see it with people like Rihanna and um, Jay-Z who have ventured into other businesses because music is a, is a weird industry and it's, it's very uncertain, uh, uncertain and they all use their brand. So they build their brand around music because that's like the most fascinating thing to build your brand around. Like there's a certain excitement around that and they create all that brand awareness around music and then they use that then to launch and venture into any business that they want to mm -hmm. and it will sell. So my plan is to build my, my, my brand around my music and I think I know eventually I will be designing million dollar homes for people. Yes, yes. I like, I like the way you think. So you're kind of just staying fluid and yeah. see how the movements of the music and the architecture, how it's all going to converge um, yeah. in the end. So that's uh, yeah, truly a fascinating young man. I, I'm certainly happy to be having this conversation with you. So now, as somebody who's relatively young, what advice would you give to the young men, young women in Dominica coming up who are interested in specifically music? Well, music, in terms of music, I would firstly advise anyone to understand business, the business of music and understand the theory of music. And I think that that's what applies to any other profession or any other industry that you venture into, whether it's medicine, all of that. You understand what the thing is and then you understand how do I commercialize this and make money out of this to create a livelihood? So, and I think there's a lack of that in Dominica when we think of music. We, we see music as a very fun, you know, people enjoy music, but we're still lacking on the commercialization of the art. So I want to encourage our musicians to really consider the commercialization of the art and they will realize how much that will trickle back down into their lyrics, the actual product itself, their image, and all of the other million things that make you a complete artist. Um, so that for sure is, is the main thing. Like I would focus on what the music actually is, the theory of it, and then think about the business. Yeah, and, um, I, and I can certainly tell that you've spoken to Gordon Henderson because he said exactly the same thing. And it is in fact correct that a lot of times people go into music because they like to sing. People have always said, oh, you have such a great voice. You should be a singer. And then they make a band and they're just doing this gig here, that gig here, that gig here. But yeah. they don't have a plan. They don't have a business plan. They don't have a management team. So exactly. I think that's what is lacking. And hopefully that can lead to a music industry in Dominica. So before you, before you leave us, any thoughts on um, why we don't have a music industry in Dominica? Uh, um, <laughs> you don't have to get into politics. Nah, it's, yeah, it's, I, I think as much as politics has a, a great part to play in it, I think um, as musicians, we kind of, we don't have a common goal. We don't have oh. common goals. And that, that can be a great loss um, for the industry or for the lack thereof and that can be a great cause because I think we, we are heavy in competition which I have no problem with but we one thing that we should unite on is having a common goal that okay the goal is to take your music specifically out there and at a as a sort of commercial level then we all work towards that whether we compete or not everyone has that in their mission statement that I am about to make quality music because I want that to reach, because I and the other 90 something musicians in Dominica know we are representing each other either way and we, we want to take that music to a certain level. So I don't think there's a unified vision in our music as yet. Like people are in our music for a lot of different reasons. You know, as you say, some people just because they can sing, they, they pick up a mic. For others, it's just because um, some, some people, it's for the, 
fame and popularity only. Well, and for some of them, it's to get girls, because that's what you Gordon know, it's said. To get it's girls, to get yeah. girls. <laughs> some people <laughs> will get honest. girls. Some people want to get girls. Some people want to just make a little money on the weekends. Right. But then we need to understand that if it's done the right way and we create an industry, girls will come, popularity will come, money will come. Absolutely. Everything will come. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so thank you so much, Shelley. It's been wonderful having this conversation with you. And I am so excited for your future. I cannot wait to see what you will do next. So please keep in touch with us. Let us know what you're doing, what you're working on. And finally, how can we get in touch with you? If we wanted to follow you, we wanted to purchase your music. Just give us some information on that before you head out. Okay. Um, well, our music is available on all major um, streaming and download platforms. I'll start with that. And there, uh, there's music under the brand of Shelly and there's also Signal Band. Um, so I will present social media handles for both Shelly and Signal Band. So for Shelly, you can check me out on Twitter at Shelly underscore Shelly. That's my new persona, Shelly Shelly. Um, Shelly underscore Shelly. On Instagram, I am Shelly underscore Alfred. On Facebook, I'm Shelly. Um, on YouTube, so when we go over to the Signal brand, under the Signal umbrella, the, the YouTube page is Signal Band Official. The uh, Instagram is Signal underscore Band. Facebook is Signal Band. And for bookings, which is very important. Very important. <laughs> for bookings, our booking agent and manager is Jelani Robinson. And he can be reached at signaltheband at gmail.com mm -hmm. or at 767-277-8400. Okay. Yeah. So that is um, signaltheband at gmail.com. That's the email address for your booking agents. Yes. Yes. So thank you again for being with us. And we look forward to staying in touch with you and seeing all the amazing things you will do. Thank you very much for having me. It was a good pleasure talking. And... I look forward to seeing more of your work and see you also blossom because you're amazing. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Shelley, for stopping by and telling us all about your success to date. We are sure that you will keep rising both academically and with your music. Uh, we are grateful that Shelly and his band continue to produce great music. So enjoy this new track they call Happy Place. Time with you. I know bless. We can be one under the sun. I know bless. That to make your stresses run. And if they say happiness is the measure of success Then baby trust me, I know just where we should be And that is Dominica, Nica, 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 Nica Where I could take you down to the river, 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 river We could be sipping on island rum Bending in island sun Chipping to island drums Baby that's a happy place Happy place Oh Dominica, Nica, 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 Nica Where I could take you down to the river, 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 river Okay, my bad now. We're all what two can become one. Oh, and if they say happiness is the measure of success, then baby, trust me, I know just where we should be. And that is Dominica, Nica, 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 Nica. Where we could take you down to the river, 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 river. We could be sipping on island rum. I hope you enjoy this one and thank you for staying with us right here on Untapped Potential on TDN Radio. So here's what I am thinking. And by the way, you know, I am with you. I really thought that we would have been in a much better place right now with all this COVID-19 that is going around. But the fact is we are not. So here's what I am thinking. 
since it looks like we have some way to go before all of this will be in our rearview mirror, we have to make every effort to support each other even more right now because it seems like even if the numbers are going down in terms of the number of cases, it seems like we are not quite out of the woods with this COVID-19 pandemic and crisis. So I was thinking with over 500 visitors a month to our website, Push Past 10, and of course, if you're new to the program, if this is your first time listening, the website which supports this program is Push Past 10, P-U-S-H, P-A-S-T, the number 10.com, which is where we include all the resources and the information about this website. So I was thinking, since it looks like we have a ways to go, why not add a new page to the website where we can share resources to get through this time together? So I went ahead and added a new page to the website, and it is called Community Resources. So if you go to the website and you look at the very top next to Untapped Potential, the name of this show, you will see a link that says Community Resources. And the, the idea here is that we will be adding information we can use to support each other during this time. So for example, many people have lost their jobs. Unfortunately, here in the US, many people have lost their jobs and worldwide, many people have lost their jobs. And unfortunately, the US government stimulus checks, which had been going out for a while, ended back in July. So there are a lot of people who are simply wondering where their next meal is going to come from. And let us remember, it is so important to remember right now that there is absolutely no shame in asking for help in any way. So recently I added a link to the community resources page on our website, Push Past 10, and to the community resource page, I added feedingamerica.org. So if you go to the website and you click on the community resources, you will see feedingamerica.org. And it is a tool that tells you about the different food banks and food trucks that are available in every state every community in America. So if you know anyone who has lost their job, is struggling to put food on the table, that is a great resource. So that is just an example of some of the resources that we will be adding on a weekly basis. So whether it is information about who is hiring right now, how to send our children back to school safely, um, what are your options during the pandemic for voting, because as we know, here in the U.S., um, the general elections is going to be in November. So we will add resources on information you need for voting safely during the pandemic. Uh, just anything we can find to support each other right now. So for example, how can you stay healthy and energized as we power through this time together? So in addition to the video interviews of our guests, the podcasts of previous episodes, we will also ensure that our virtual community has the resources for coping and getting some guidance to power through this time together. So this is where you come in. If you come across information you think that we could all benefit from, you can share it with the rest of the community and you can do so by sending me an email at pushpast10 at gmail.com. So that email address again is P-U-S-H-P-A-S-T, the number 10 at gmail.com. So we can add it to our community resource page on the website. And you know, I have to tell you, our community is already stepping up with this. For example, I have already received information regarding free books for students in the Caribbean who are scheduled to take the CAPE exam. And I'm very happy to report that we got this information from Miss Sharon Darvel in Canada. 
And you may not be familiar with Sharon, but she's actually a prolific Dominican author. She has several books on Amazon, and it would be great if you could support her work on Amazon.com. Again, her name is Sharon, and the last name is D-O-R. I-V-A-L, Doraville. So again, thank you, Sharon, for sending us that information. And we also received some very important information for anyone who is pregnant during this time. I mean, I can only imagine the fear and the frustration and the stress that comes with being pregnant at this time. So we have a wonderful friend by the name of Dr. Tabitha Andre Buckmeyer out there in Virginia who helped us with this resource. And it is a resource for anyone who's currently pregnant or has a newborn child. So visit the website, pushpast10.com, for more information. And of course, if you're looking for a wonderful OBGYN in the Virginia, D.C. area, then check out Dr. Tabitha's um, practice. Her practice is called the Physician and Midwives Collaborative Practice in Virginia. So again, that is the Physicians and Midwives Collaborative Practice in Virginia. And Dr. Tabitha is from Dominica as well. So very, very happy that we have people who are already stepping up to the call to help us to provide resources for those of us who need some extra help during this troubling time. And we will keep the resources coming. We will add something every week, um, including adding some more workout videos because a lot of us are still unable to go to the gym, but we need to stay healthy. So we will be adding some additional workout videos as well. And look, I get it. We are all tired of dealing with this and we're ready to get back to our lives. But you know, the most important thing is to focus on the light at the end of the tunnel. And that light is coming closer. You know, we are doing the work. We're bringing down the numbers of COVID-19 cases. We are wearing the mask. We are washing our hands and we are keeping our distances. So we just really have to power through this time and we will do it together. We will do it and we will come out on the other end stronger and, and fast and smarter after all of this. So remember that is, is you know, it's important resource, uh, another important resource, I should say, is your local church. You know, even if you have not been a member of any particular church, many churches would be happy to welcome you. And just keep in mind, there is absolutely no shame in saying that I am struggling and that I need some help. And I find that especially to be the case for the strong men in our life. Let's just go go ahead and talk about this. There are many men who may be struggling in silence, and I just want to let them know that there is no shame in saying that I am struggling and I need help. And as a matter of fact, that will be one of our topics, mental health in men and how we can help our men who are struggling in some way, in some fashion. So again, you know, I think our focus right now needs to be twofold. One, how can we get through this time together? And two, what can we accomplish? while we wait for this hurricane, this chaos, which is now our life to be over. So that is going to be our focus, getting through this together, as well as what we can do to be more successful and stronger at the end of this. Okay, so next week, same time, same place, we're going to have another wonderful guest. We will be joined by Mrs. Allison Hector Alexander out of Canada. And of course, she will tell us about her challenges and her successes since she is the director of a major department at her college. But she will also speak on a very timely an important topic of diversity and inclusion. So we're certainly looking forward to hearing from Alison Hector Alexander next week. So again, if this was your first time listening, I hope we added some great value to your life today. And don't forget to set your reminder for Tuesdays, 5.30 to 6.30 Eastern Standard Time, right here on TDN Radio. So if someone shared the link with you, be sure to save that 
link and pass it on to others as we continue to grow our virtual support community. So again, I hope that uh, we were able to add value to everyone's uh, day and that you will have a wonderful rest of your week. It was certainly a pleasure for me to be with you today for another episode of Untapped Potential right here on TDN Radio. So as we always say at the end of the program, your life story is your strength because you have made it this far in life because the challenges you have faced along the way have made you strong enough to to face the challenges that are happening today. So always remember, stay safe, stay positive, stay productive, and stay active. Until we meet again next week, same time, same place. Have a wonderful rest of the week. <music>